So I run to the fire 
Well, thank you, Mike and Ben, for getting us started this evening, and welcome, everybody. Good to be in the Lord's house tonight on a beautiful day to just, again, celebrate his goodness and his grace to worship our, um, our wonderful God. Uh, worship is a real gift, isn't it? Do you um, still think to yourself on the way here, what a, a wonderful opportunity I have to be in God's house? What a wonderful chance I have to give him my praise and what a wonderful opportunity to hear him speak to us. So I hope you feel that way about worship because uh, God is certainly here and certainly wants to connect with you and love you and help you grow in your faith. We are in this series uh, here now called the Hall of Faith. We're looking at these great men and women in the Bible and we're looking at their faith and how God used them to do th great things in the kingdom. Today we get to look at Gideon. I don't know if you know a lot about uh, old, old wonderful Gideon, but we'll, we'll talk about his faith and how God used this small, insignificant man to do something great and powerful. So I can't wait to dig into the word with you a little bit later about that. Some announcements before we get, get busy. Don't forget, Faith in Action is coming up on October 21st on Saturday. So, you know, our goal is, I, I see some of you are wearing your t-shirts. Wonderful, thank you. Our goal is just to blitz our community on one Saturday with service and love, just to make a difference, not to get paid or not to, you know, do a fundraiser or anything like that, but just to love and to serve. And so the more of you that are there, the more of an impact that we can make. So if you're interested, uh, you can stop at the little table in the back. You can get your free T-shirt. You can sign up and learn more about what we can do. I was just sharing with some folks. Uh, you know our Chinese Christian church that meets at Faith on Sunday afternoons. Uh, they've got a couple groups of people that are going to join us in Faith in Action also. So it's just kind of cool. We'll be able to work with our brothers and sisters at that church too. So uh, again, it's Saturday, October 21st. Uh, in your announcement bulletin, you'll see some things about the shock and uh, the compressed shock, stop the bleed uh, um, opportunity you have just to get some certification on that. You'll see some stuff in there about trunk or treat that's coming up again here at Celebration. Uh, there's a time um, error in there. It's actually from 1 o'clock till 4 o'clock. So whatever it says in your announcement bulletin is incorrect. The trunk or treat is actually from 1 o'clock until 4 o'clock. Uh, and then I don't know if there are any of you who are here for the two-year Bibles, but in the service today, we're giving away um, Bibles to two-year-olds. And so if you haven't picked up your, I don't see anyone, but uh, we'll come when we get to that point, we'll see if anyone shows up. Um, but we'll have that in the service. Uh, if you haven't picked up your Bible for your two-year-old yet, have that ready. And then last, I just wanted to say something about uh, this email scam that's been going around. Maybe you've seen or heard or got an email from us at church. Uh, someone has been using my name to ask for gift cards for some ladies that have cancer. And it's a scam. It's not from me. It's from... Uh, some evil people that are trying to prey on your good trust. So if you get that uh, email, it's not from me, so um, please uh, just be aware that anything that comes from church will always end in faithfv.org. That's all of our email addresses, and if it's not that, it's not from us. Right? So just be aware of that and uh, pray for those folks if you would. All right, all that being said, it's time to worship our amazing God together this evening. So would you stand as we begin with this song called Indescribable. From the highest of heights to the depths of the sea the Creation's revealing your majesty 
From the colors of fall to the fragrance of spring. Every creature unique in the song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them Sing with us on this new one, Run to the Father. to the fire. 
friends, what do you say? We run to the Father and fall into his grace. We don't need to hide. We don't need to be ashamed or afraid of confessing to God our sins because he knows them anyway. Confession isn't really about telling God about our sins. It's really about acknowledging our sins to God so that we will acknowledge that we need his love and grace, that we need a Savior. So let's do that. Let's have a time for confession as we come to God and we cry out, for his grace and forgiveness. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me 
too lofty for me to attain. Almighty God knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows our every weakness, temptation, and idol that draws us away from him. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So let us now lay our burdens at the foot of the cross and confess our sins. Abba, Father, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have not loved you with our whole heart, nor have we loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have done things you forbid and neglected to do the things that you ask. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Well, the good news is news you've heard before, that God loves you. And God loves you so much that he didn't just say the words, he proved it when he became one of us, took flesh and lived in our world. And when he died on the cross to take those sins that we just confessed and to bury them in the ground, to, to pay the price for them fully so you and I will never ever have to pay that price. Now we know because of Jesus that we are forgiven. It is my joy as one of your pastors to remind you of this good news of grace and forgiveness that's yours in Christ. And now go and live in the joy and the freedom of being forgiven by Christ. Amen. Please be seated as now we sing this song. It kind of is a way for us just to talk about that love that was shown us in Christ. You choose the humble, raise them high. You choose the weak and make them strong. You heal our brokenness inside. Give us life. The same love that set the captives free. The same love that opened eyes to see is calling us all by spread the heavens wide the same god that was crucified is calling us all by name you are calling us all by name 
And now we pray. Abba, Father, thank you for the promises found in your holy word. For the scriptures tell us that no one who believes in Christ will ever be disappointed. And they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Almighty God, help me trust that I can undertake Whatever you ask of me, knowing that with your help, I will succeed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, one of the cool things we do at Faith is we give little beginner Bibles to all of our two-year-olds and their families, and we usually have a little service and dedication. I don't see any two-year-old families here, so um, we'll assume that they're all coming to other services. So we'll pass on from that and move into the children's message. So kids, come on up. I have something to share just for you today. Please come up. You're the only two. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, there's three. Wonderful. <clears throat> All right, did you hear we're talking about a guy named Gideon today? You know, there's a really cool story about Gideon. I don't know if you ever heard about this. One time, it tells us in the Bible, in the book of Judges, one time Gideon wanted to know, God asked him to do something, and Gideon wanted to know if it was really God or not. He wanted to know if this was really that God was sending him to do it or not. He was wrestling with it. Does God really want me to do this or not want me to do this? So he made a deal with God. He said, God, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take my blanket, and I brought my blanket. This is my favorite Packer blanket that I use when I'm snuggling up and watching the games. He said, I'm going to take my blanket, and I'm going to put it outside in the yard. And what I want you to do, God, so I know that's really you, and this is really what you want me to do, I'm going to ask that, God, you make my blanket sopping wet in the morning 
and all everything else would be dry. So you know what happened? He put out his blanket and the next morning he got up and do you know what? The blanket was sopping wet and everything else was dry. And he said, well, God, that was great, but I'm still not sure I really believe. So would you do one more thing? I'm gonna put out my blanket again tomorrow night and what I want you to do is make everything else sopping wet, but make the blanket dry. And guess what happened the next morning? When he got up, he looked at his blanket. What do you think? It was dry. You're right. The blanket was dry. So Gideon knew that this was God who really wanted him to go and do what he told him to do. So he went and followed God. And we're going to talk about what he did in our sermon a little bit, right? How he followed God. Well, what about you? If you want to know what God's telling you to do something, do you think you should put a blanket out in your yard? Is that the way that God talks to us today and tells us what he wants us to do? Do you think it would work if you put your blanket out there? It might just like disappear, right? Somebody might take it or a dog might take it or who knows what, right? So how do we know what God wants us to do today? If he's not gonna do it with a blanket in the front yard or the backyard, how is God gonna tell us what to do? Look at what, yep, you saw what I brought. Yep, my Bible. See, we're lucky that we have God who spoke to us in the Bible. Gideon didn't have the Bible yet because it wasn't written for him. It wasn't even written yet, so he couldn't read the Bible and find out what God wanted or what God desired. So he had to do like silly things with the blankets, right? But you and I are blessed because we have the word of God. And whenever we want to know what God wants for us, Whenever we want to know what God is like, whenever we want to know what we should do, we can find the answers here in his word because God has spoken to us today in his word. That's a pretty special gift, isn't it? Right, the Bible? And that's why we gave Bibles, we're giving Bibles away to our two-year-old families today. We give Bibles to our third graders. We have Bible studies for you and for our adults so we can all listen to God speak to us. So just remember, if you ever need to know what God's telling you, where are you going to look? The Bible. You got it. All right, thanks for coming up. I appreciate it. All right, at this time, we'll turn to that beautiful word of God as God speaks to us and teaches us what we need to know about life. We'll be looking at Judges chapter 6 and chapter 7 as we kind of work through a little bit of the story of a Gideon. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was, excuse me, was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts and caves and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops all the way to Gaza and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. 
When the Israelites cried to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the power of Egypt and from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them from before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the, midnights, the Midianites together. Early in the morning, Jerubbaal, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men for me to deliver Midian into their hands in order that Israel may not boast against me that her own strength has saved her. Announce to the people, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men Take them down to the water, and I will sift them for you there. If I say, this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues like a dog from those who kneel down to drink. 300 men lapped with their hands to their mouths. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. The Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the other men go, each to his own place. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites to their tents, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. This is the word of the Lord that we'll talk about in a minute. The next lesson, our New Testament lesson, is from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And here we will, hear, we will hear that the wisdom and power and strength for us to do anything comes from the Lord. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligent of the in the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? 
Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God, that is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Well, grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. You ready to dig into the word a little bit, everybody? You might want to pull out your little gold and yellow, whatever color that is, sermon outline. Uh, as we work through the message today, you see we're in the God's hall of faith. We're talking about Gideon today. And as we talk about that Old Testament passage from Judges that we heard earlier, Gideon's faith and how God used him to do great things, even though he was so small and insignificant, I think we're going to learn a lesson that God loves to use small people to do big things, that God's work is always accomplished, not because of our gifts, but because of his power. So to start off with, I just wanted to begin with this verse on the top of your outline from Ephesians chapter 2. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. This should be a Bible verse that we just keep on our mirror that we read every morning before we start our day because it says clearly that you are God's masterpiece, right? Would you do me a favor? Just look at the person next to you and say, you're God's masterpiece. Ah, how'd that feel, everybody? You are God's masterpiece. That means God made you to be exactly who you are. He, and he did it in a beautiful, wonderful way. You are God's masterpiece. God doesn't make junk. He makes masterpieces of which you are his crown jewel. But don't miss the rest of the verse. You're God's masterpiece. He loves you dearly. Uh, you know, enough to die for you, to forgive your sins, right? But he loves you and made you and created you to be a masterpiece for a reason, for the good things he planned for us to do. Every one of us has a purpose that's given to us by God, something that God wants us to accomplish. And he created us with all the gifts and all the things and put us in the place we need to be so that we could accomplish that purpose. 
You are God's masterpiece and you have been given a task, something to do in the kingdom of God to make this world a better place and to lift up the name of Jesus. Now, that's why we're talking about Gideon because Gideon was uh, the classic example of how God chooses someone who may not think a lot of himself, who the world might not look at and think is gonna do and accomplish great things, and God works through that masterpiece to accomplish his plan and purpose. Gideon is just the greatest example of God taking someone who is nothing and doing something. You know, if you heard our text, Gideon was a nobody. He was no one famous, he wasn't rich. He even said he was the youngest member of the weakest family of the smallest tribe of Judah, of Israel. You know, he's not the person you'd ever expect that God would choose to be a great leader and save the people from these Midianites that were, that were oppressing them, would it, would it? But that's who he chooses. He chooses Gideon. And Gideon defeats an army of 135,000 people with 300 men because God had a purpose for him. Uh, he made him to be and accomplish that task. So let's just think about some of the lessons that we can learn about how God called and used Gideon and how he still wants to call and use us today. So look in your outline. The first lesson, as we look at the situation that Gideon found himself is this. When you worship the gods of your culture, don't be surprised if God gives you over to the oppression of your culture. See, this is what God does. He always allows us to make choices and then he allows the consequences of those choices to have their sway in our life, in our world. That's just what God does all the time. He does it with individuals and he does it with nations as well. And the nation of Israel chose to worship idols. The nation of Israel chose to turn its back on God and to worship uh, false gods and false idols. And because of that, God gave them over to the consequences of that. We read that in our Old Testament lesson, how they were oppressed and how they had to live in caves and hide for their safety. And, you know, uh, it was an awful time for God's people. So you could say, why did God do that? Well, this is what we're learning. When we turn our backs on God, God often allows the consequences of that action to come to fruition in our lives in our world, individually, and as a nation. And we certainly see that here. Look at the verse under lesson one. It says, again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. There's a pattern that happens in the Old Testament we see with God's people all the time. I printed it for you. They suffered because of their oppression. They would call out to God, and God would answer in grace and bring a deliverer. And they would be saved, and they would worship God for a while, but then guess what would happen? They would sin, they'd turn their backs on God, and then they would suffer, and the cycle is repeated again and again and again. So what do we learn about God? God allows us to suffer the consequences, but listen, the second thing we learn is he never gives up on us. He never gives up. He always comes to deliver. He always comes to save. He always acts in grace to bring them out of their suffering. He did it then, and he still does it today. 
I bet we do the same thing, right? We call out to God and we, we confess our sins and God forgives us and then we walk in righteousness for a while, but then we fall back into that old sin. And then what do we have to do? We have to confess our sin and then God acts in righteousness and grace. You see, it's the same pattern, isn't it? In that middle of that pattern, what we need to know is that God never gives up. God never stops loving. God never stops seeing us as the masterpiece we can be and working in our lives to accomplish that. So turn the page to the second lesson, if you would. We learn from Gideon that we should never tell God who we are not. Instead, let God tell us who we are. You remember when God showed up to talk to Gideon I don't know if you caught this in our Old Testament text, but Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. Do you know what that means? I mean, a wine press is not for threshing wheat. The only reason you would thresh your wheat in a wine press is to hide for fear, right? Gideon is hiding in fear as God calls him. He's not out sharpening his sword to fight the battle. He's not out preaching, you know, the good news. He's hiding for fear in a wine press, trying to get a little supper together. And God calls him in his fear and his cowardice and his hiding. And what does he say to Gideon? Does he say, Gideon, you big chicken? What does he say? Gideon, you're a mighty warrior. See, God knew who Gideon really was, not who, how Gideon saw himself, but God knew who he was, the masterpiece that he was, and the purpose that he had for him, and knew that he was a mighty warrior. Now, isn't it interesting? I, I printed here what Gideon's response to that was. On your outline, he said, but sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about? Did the Lord not bring us out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian? Do you see what he's doing? He starts arguing with the Lord. Instead of just hearing and seeing and believing who God called him to be, the masterpiece, the warrior he made him to be, he argues. He begins with a but. Anytime you begin with a but, we have problems, don't we? Right? He argues with God. And don't you love God's uh, response to that? He doesn't even bother to answer the questions. He just said, the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? See, what Gideon had forgotten was the process. This is the way God works in our lives. Gideon wanted immediate results. He's like, God, where are you? How come you've not delivered us? He argues with God about things not happening in his time and his way. He wanted immediate results and he forgot the process. He forgot that God solves problems through people. That's, a, that's a, something that you just need to remember. God solves problems through people, through you. It's not often that God just you know, does a miracle and makes everything good. Often what he does is he sends you to go in faith and step out and be the masterpiece to accomplish the purpose, to be the mighty warrior that he's called you to be to help fix the problem. God solves problems through people. And that's what he was doing through Midian. He said, go, I'm sending you. Go, be who I made you to be. Go, don't believe what you think about yourself. Don't believe what other people think about you, but believe and trust what I made you to be, a mighty warrior. So lesson, don't ever tell God who you're not. Instead, let God tell 
you who you are. Third lesson, if God is sending you, then God's obviously confident that you're the person to get the job done. You know what? God would never send you, call you, give you a purpose or a mission that he knew you couldn't accomplish. That's not what God does. It's just the opposite. God sends you, calls you, and then gives you everything that you would need, every resource that you will need to accomplish what he has called you to do. That's just the way God does things. I wrote this, I found this verse from Ecclesiastes 11 I thought was appropriate. If you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. Instead, believe and trust that if God calls, if God gives you a purpose or a mission, that he's gonna resource you and he will be with you to make it happen. Which leads to my fourth and final lesson. God's not looking for ability, he's looking for availability. God wants people who will say, here am I, send me, send me. God's looking for people who will say, I don't know where this is going, God, but I know if you're going with me, it's gonna be good. He's looking for people who will say, I know this, I don't have enough strength to accomplish this, but I know, God, that you do. He wants people who are available. Or as I wrote, God's not impressed with your abilities. He's the one who gave them to you but he's also not depressed by your inabilities. God is not limited by your limitations. He's not. Do you think God is up in heaven going, oh man, I wish I would have gave that guy some more money. Then we could have really got something done. I wish I would have made her a lot smarter. Then we really could accomplish some stuff. That's, that's not the way God thinks because he has made you the masterpiece he wanted you to be and has given you everything you need to accomplish what he has called you to do. So trust, be available, and let God work, because if he's sending you, he will give you what it takes. So don't be a Gideon. Don't be afraid or think you're too small or that God's not there for you. Instead, be a mature Gideon. Trust and believe by faith that God is calling you his masterpiece and will use you to do great things in the kingdom. God bless you as you watch and see what he'll do. Amen. All right, at this time, we'll have our offerings. And so as the baskets are passed, I wanna thank you for your giving. You know, these are the gifts that we use to share the good news of Jesus and uh, to lift him up in our community. So thank you for joining us on that mission.
Now, if you're able, would you stand as we come to God with our prayers and we bring him our joys, our concerns, our special prayers and needs, knowing that he always hears and he always, always answers according to what he knows is best. We bow our heads. Well, gathered in the name of Jesus, we turn to our heavenly Father and we pray for the world, for the church, and for all people according to their needs. Abba, Father, your thoughts are not our thoughts. Your ways are not our ways. In your wisdom, you have permitted natural disasters and wars and personal tragedies that have caused many people to struggle with despair and loss and grief. We pray tonight, Lord, that you would draw us close and sustain us through these times, that we might see your hand at work in our lives, using us as your masterpiece to accomplish great things in the kingdom, to bring hope and healing to the hurt in our world. Abba, Father, you know sin has corrupted us from the time of Adam and Eve, and our society continues to redefine sin based upon human experience and human desire and human pride. We pray that you would protect our true identity found in Christ and help us to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with you. Draw us close and sustain us, O Lord, and nurture us like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. Abba, Father, we are blessed by a saving faith in Jesus, and he is the perfecter of it. Our world continues to shun biblical truth, and we can oftentimes find ourselves rejected for our Christian faith, even within our own families and circle of friends. So draw us close to your word, sustain us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Abba, Father, we give you thanks and praise for doctors and nurses and therapists who use the gift of medicine to maintain and restore our health. Through their talents, grant relief to all those who struggle with mental and physical illness, those who are undergoing testing for unknown health issues, and those who are scheduled for or recovering from surgery. Especially tonight, we lift up Jenny White, Len and Audrey Rissy, Lois Barth, and the many others on our ongoing prayer list. Grant them patience, comfort, and healing according to your good and gracious will. Lord, we also pray for those who have lost loved ones this week. We lift up the families of Susan Erdman and Shirley Schrader. We pray that in their grief, they would find hope of everlasting life, one for Susan and Shirley by Jesus, and that you would give them hope that they will see their loved ones again. Lord, there is also much we celebrate this day. We celebrate the anniversary of marriage. We think of Dennis and Millie Went celebrating 60 years Norb and Linda West celebrating their golden anniversary, their 50th. Jerry and Sharon Vanden Heuvel, 59 years. And for all couples, that their love may always be a reflection of your love for them. And finally, Lord, we lift up Corey Bryan as he has been deployed uh, in the service. We pray for protection and strength. Pray you would use his service to uh, bring peace into our world so that sanity may prevail. And now into your hands, Heavenly Father, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, who himself taught us to pray, Our Father, 
who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And now as you masterpieces of God go out into the world, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. And we'll sing because his grace is enough.
said. And then go in peace. Have yourself a wonderful Saturday evening. So be 